Hello and welcome to the Elsner Show, the show on the on our own, but next week may or may not be on the Galactic Netcasts uh, network. Um, yeah, I, I was going to say Galactic Netcasts, but I'm like, wait, no, that's not right. Um, I am Gregor Sprague, and joining me as always is Corey Scott. Corey, how you doing? I am well. Or should we call you Papa Noel with that beard there? I don't know what that reference is, but it's okay. Santa Claus. It's, it, oh, I I thought it was like some reference to a Smurf. It's, I didn't understand. No, Papa Noel is how they is what they call Santa Claus in like some I think some European country or something like that. I can't remember which one it is. Random fact that I pulled out of my head. I don't remember. I don't even know where I heard it from exactly. It was a good pull. I just yeah. wish I would have understood what you were going for. Uh, thank you. That was a very uh, nice way to say fuck you, Corey. You look old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we go with that. Um, but yeah, so um, this is a show where we talk about everything that is, you know, happening in in, in nerd culture that we're watching, reading, listening to. Um, I will say, Google Play. Let's start off the start off with the bat with something because uh, I got caught up on on podcasts uh, mainly because we have concerns. Um, was wasn't doing Friday shows. Um. I was listening to 80s one-hit wonders on Google Play Radio, and I'm sitting there going, first off, jamming out to Rapper's Delight, but then I'm sitting there going, wait a minute, Twisted Sister is not a one-hit wonder. I mean, they released a, a Christmas album for crying out loud. Well, you've got to think about what their hits were, and obviously we're not going to take it as what everybody thinks of with Twisted Sister, although I Want to Rock uh, was a similar hit at the time that it came out. It's just not as well-known today. But would still be considered a hit. I, I would say that it was a hit, but I don't know if it it's like it ranked on the charts in the same way. Uh, it did have a similar video with the guy who is demanding the pledge pin uh, from Animal House. Yeah. Um, But it was like because I was just flipping through, and I can't, I can't play the Jonathan Colton radio station because of the fact that I have in my settings set to block explicit songs. So, you know what, generally I don't have to worry about swearing. Well, not with any of them, because, you know, you get in there, Jonathan Colton's first of May, where they're talking about how it's how <laughs> outdoor fucking starts today. I'm I like, love that song. Every, yeah. every May 1st, I post the video for that. <laughs> um... It is it is a great tune. Yeah, it's great. Colton doesn't swear in a lot of his stuff, but when he does, he's not subtle. It's like a podcast of terror. Mm-hmm. Or a Else Nerds show podcast. Yeah. Well, I am on both. Exactly. Find the common thread. Um but no, I mean, so like or but it's not even his because you know the radio stations they do shuffle up like uh and Jonathan Colton one I love because it goes uh, Jonathan Colton, Weird Al, they might be giants. Um, oh, who else? Uh, I think Professor Shy Guy, um, MC Lars, uh, Professor uh, MC Front a lot. You know, like like uh, a lot of nerdcore stuff. Yeah, a, a lot of nerdcore stuff. Um, and I'm sitting there going, okay, this is great. But then it's like the first time I heard First of May, I'm sitting there going, this is a great song. Wait. Did you just say fucking? Yep. As I'm playing it in the store, and I'm sitting there going, oh, thank God, no one's here. Enjoy it. Oh, someone's coming. Skip. Yep. <laughs> but no, like, 
so I started getting into, like all these other ones. Uh, played some Scott. I'm sitting there going, "Yup, this is great. I love this." Except for it was what was it the uh, less than Jake radio station, and I'm like, "Rancid? Why is Rancid? They're, they're not it's like all the other related artists. Is like I could see, but Rancid, no." But yeah, so that was my listening this past week while or weekend while at work. Um, so we're, let's hop into the news because I wanted to go to that. First, well, but just, th- just back on music, just for yeah. a real quick second. Uh, since you brought it up, I wanted to mention I I've been hearing this. I don't listen to music enough anymore. I wind up listening to uh, podcasts. Uh, even it, with considering this week, I have the potential to be on more podcasts than I even have time to listen to. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> between podcasts and and sometimes I'll listen to bands that I I like, but I listen to the same albums too much, because I'm old. And uh, I'm at that point where repetition starts to become important again. Like when you're a child and you watch Blue's Clues and they play the same Blue's Clues episode throughout the week, uh, because the repetition help you helps you learn. Uh, my repetition helps me to wake up in the morning and remember where I am and who I am. So, I like to listen to the same bands. That's just what I'm saying. It happens yeah. at age. Uh, but there was... A band that I've heard a couple of times when I pop over to Sirius XM, especially on their their alternative station, which is usually um, not that alternative, but that's fine. And there's this thing I've been hearing, and I finally decided to give it a listen to on uh, Google Play, Nathaniel Rateliff and the Night Sweats. And um, they've got a really cool old... Old time sound. It's it's not. You'll you'll hear it and you kind of it'll evoke different things in you. You'll you hear a little bit of uh, '70s Elvis, like Vegas style Elvis. You'll hear some stuff that is a, a bit of the soul rock bands that were present in like the '50s and '60s. It's just a really kind of amazing sound, and it it's not like they did it for one song. The whole album is like that. It, it's, I know that there's a lot of throwback stuff that's getting popular now, but I haven't heard this kind of music happening, and I'm very much I- enjoying it. I, I listened to 90% of the album on the way home. I uh, just ran out of time, but it's it's good. If you listen to them, uh, check out SOB is is the new song that I think is on the radio, and I Need Never Get Old was the, the first hit that they had. Excellent stuff. Uh, it's just you'll hear it and your your toe will tap and it'll make you want to drive across the country, like on Route 66 or something. It's it's just got a great flavor and uh, and I imagine that this guy's beard does too. He <laughs> he looks pretty solid. His beard still has color. Uh, so fuck you again. All right. I, okay, I'm playing the beginning of it because with how you were describing it, that's why I'm rocking two headphones here. Um, I'm like, wait, so it's like Scott Bradley's Postmodern Jukebox, but with a different, I'm assuming with a different taste. Postmodern Jukebox does something different where it goes through a whole different bunch of genres yeah. uh, and flavors for their songs. And and that's what I think is really cool about Postmodern Jukebox. But it is, it's like, we're going to do this song in this style with this singer. Uh, it's kind of a weird bingo sort of deal. Um but it works really well, and it, it's they're amazingly talented, and people should definitely listen to them. And uh, if you're able to support their Patreon, 
Oh, do I? I do talk about Patreons. Um, but <laughs> this is this is different because I think this is just this band's sound. I don't yeah. know if this is something that they're just doing for one album because it's cool and kitschy and something to catch on, or if this is genuinely what they want to sound like and who they are. It, it's kind of like when you heard Kings of Leon the first couple of times, and they sounded like a throwback to to Bruce Springsteen. Uh, they they had that that special sort of of uh, ambiance to them. Mm-hmm. That's that's sort of what this is, except it's not Bruce. It's it's earlier than that. Maybe a little bit of Joe Cocker, but not in that regard. It, it's yeah. it's further back. It's it's a kickback, and it's it's just really cool. The the band, I I can only imagine that they've got to be great live, uh, and it, it's something that you just kind of want to sit in a bar and listen to and just hear. But all I could think of, I mean, I was driving at the time, was that I just wanted to just take off. You just know? go on a road trip, just, yeah. It, it seemed like something you would see in a movie with someone driving along down the highway. It seemed like something that Tarantino would use. Yeah. Uh, and Tarantino does impeccable choices of music for his films. And I could see him hearing this album going, well, I've got to write a movie around this. Uh, yeah. it, it's just, it's really good. All right, so... We're gonna get quickly into the news um, because this is this is a trigger warning for Corey that this will cause a rant, and this is my goal. I honestly want to hear because I go with I go I go to Corey and I, I learn a lot of things about the comic book industry, even though he doesn't really read comic books anymore. Um, and so this is the from Bleeding Cool. This is the official news that uh, Lois Lane is Superwoman in DC's Rebirth. Um, which that was one of the things I was wondering. Like, wait, Superwoman? Who's Superwoman? Well, I can I can give you some some ideas on that. Now, Superwoman. Yeah. There have been several incarnations of the character. Uh, one of them goes back to a story that I think maybe took place in a Superman Family or Superman Avengers. I had it growing up. I, it might have been an annual or something. Yeah. Uh, it was a woman who was from the future who came back in time to find out who Superwoman was. Superwoman at some point shows up. Saves Superman, uh, saves the day that that makes events in the future happen, and then disappears. And so this woman goes back in time to find out who she was. She's a teacher in a class, and uh, she's hanging out with Lois and Clark, and knows all who they are. And she's hanging out with Jimmy Olsen. Jimmy Olsen's like really making a lot of moves on her, and she finally finds out going along that she is Superwoman. It's one of those things. It's one of those things where you go back in time and you become your own grandfather, uh, which is gross. <laughs> but uh, it was still a really good story. And then at the end, we find out that the reason why she didn't give Jimmy any play is because he was her ancestor. But she has this suit that gives her powers. Now, later on, uh, just a couple years ago, actually, there was a Superwoman bounding around in the pre-New 52 universe turned out to be Lucy Lane using uh, technology that was sort of stolen. Her her father, Thunderbolt Ross, not Thunderbolt Ross, uh, but the, <laughs> the guy who's basically the Thunderbolt Ross of the DC universe. Yeah, uh, Sam Lane. Sam Lane. Really? Sam? Mm-hmm. Seems weird. So he's he gets her to go and be Superwoman, and uh, for some fucking reason, they wind up killing the character in that storyline. I didn't really get it, but she was not exactly a good guy. She was doing stuff to kind of subvert the other superheroes, Supergirl and some of these others, um, because that's what you do is you take a character with, you know, ties to the Lane 
legacy family and stuff like that, and you throw them in a costume for a little while just to kill them. I don't think that the problems with DC started with the New 52, is what I'm saying. Anyways, there's also Superwoman from Earth 3, who is Lois Lane, except Lois Lane as a Amazon. So they kind of mix the, the origins of Lois Lane with uh, Wonder Woman to create her, and she is the amalgam character that is supposed to be the Wonder Woman from the Injustice Society, the the Earth Three supervillains, where all the people on that Earth are evil, uh, except for the villains who are good guys. Yeah, and and that's been classically something else. And finally, um, I was going somewhere with this. Oh. Uh, there's, there's Lois Lane from Earth 2, who is not Superwoman, but became the Red Tornado. It's just, there's a lot of different things that this could have been. Oh, yeah, and then there's the Lois Lane that's coming around right now that's part of the Superman and Lois Lane that had the son, Jonathan, that, uh, is now going to be Superboy in the new continuity, but basically they were pre-New 52 and now they're in the new 52 world and they're going to be the Lois and Clark after this in the rebirth. That cued my rant. That would cue my rants here. Well, this is, there's one more, there's one more. And this is the one that I kind of tripped over, uh, in all star Superman by Grant Morrison several Mm -hmm. years ago, which is a fantastic Superman story. That Superman, uh, found out that he was dying. Mm-hmm. And during his time of trying to kind of like make peace with the world and 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 leave a better place than where he started, uh, he gives Lois Lane superpowers for a day and gives her costume and and everything to to do, and she becomes Superwoman in that issue. Uh, this storyline, that 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 storyline right there was the premise to the i believe the all-star superman uh animated movie yes absolutely it was based off of that yeah this storyline is lois lane pledges to use her powers to protect metropolis as the new superwoman the only problem is lois's new powers are killing her and neither she nor her friend and confidant lana lang know what to do about it uh will lois even survive long enough to find out the deadly secret of ultra woman now Sounds an awful lot like a certain character over at Marvel. Sounds like the current Thor over at Marvel. And and the only reasons, I mean, I have a nostalgia for Superwoman because of, like I said, that Superman family annual or whatever it was mm-hmm. that I read. Uh, but the only other reason that I was really kind of interested in this is because it's by Phil uh, Jimenez. And Phil is... An incredible artist, uh, a very fun, uh, loving creator. Classically, his artwork reminds a lot of people of George uh, Perez, who is one of the all-time greatest artists, period, uh, let alone one of my favorites. I mean, people love George and and the stuff that he does. It's, it's very disappointing to see this description and have it kind of sounds so similar to something that Marvel is doing, but it also harkens back to kind of like a an alternate take of what happened in All-Star Superman, which I guess makes sense. I just... I don't know what to expect from it, but the description is... 
it, it, it makes me wary of it. And I'm seeing this happen with some of the other DC Rebirth stuff. Like, I'm very confused of the the new Superman status quo. No, yeah. Because we've got... We've, we've been dealing with the Superman in New 52 who, I would argue, does not feel like Superman at all. They They had a lot of issues with launching him because Morrison was doing his thing in one book and George was not allowed to write the other book in any way, every time you turn a story, they're like, well, you can't do that because it might conflict with what Grant's doing. Well, then why do we have two books? You know, why do you even have me doing this job if the person over here can't understand or know what's going on in the other book until it's already come out and is done? That's when then someone should be writing this. Um, yeah. Then they gave Scott Liddell carte blanche for a while, and Scott, I, I loved Scott in the 90s on his Generation Next stuff in particular, Scott's ideas in the New 52 were to make things just blatantly different for the sake of being different. And uh, that can be very liberating, but it put off a lot of fans. And, and you know, it wasn't his best work. Let, let's be fair. It was not his best storytelling at the same, same time as people who are like, wait, you're, you're fucking around with Superman and the Teen Titans... Uh, these are characters that it shouldn't be hard to get right, Zack Snyder. But uh, some people <laughs> do. Um, Zack Snyder. It just so it's 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 kind of like then they 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 introduced uh, Gene Loon, whatever. Gene uh, Gene. Oh. I can't think of his name, unfortunately. Uh, but his storyline of taking Superman taking away most of his powers, taking away the Clark Kent identity, and having him wander around. Uh, that, again, classic fans found disagreeable. Uh, it, it, it was just kind of like destroying all that makes Superman Superman. Plus, they had taken away the relationship with Lois Lane in the first place. They put him in a relationship with Wonder Woman. All of this stuff felt very alien to our favorite alien. Now, going forward... In the last several months of the New 52, they've done a series, uh, like I mentioned, Dan Jurgens is writing it, with the Superman and Lois Lane from pre-Flashpoint, pre essentially. Mm -hmm. uh, they've been living in this world. They have been raising their son. They've been living in secret. So he hasn't been Superman. He hasn't been Clark Kent. She hasn't been out there as a reporter but somehow they're supposed to make these two people and their son take over those roles uh, in this this rebirth storyline, uh, and I don't quite get that. Uh, first of all, introducing a super son is dangerous, mm -hmm. especially because we weren't there to see that happen and see them grow. Now, on the other hand. Uh, having a baby is one thing. Raising the baby to a point where they develop a personality is another thing. Yeah. And nobody wants to see Kal-El changing diapers. No, uh, yeah, and, and because they did, they did in a way hit at that during Convergence. Right, and that's where a lot of this is coming from. Is yeah. the Convergence stuff leads into rebirth by the way of like, oh, well, Convergence was to tell old fans maybe you check us out again, and the old fans go. The only parts I like this Convergence shit is the stuff that I recognize from before. But then you just have all the characters that I like kill each other. Uh, no thanks. So now they're they're trying to bring back a sense of legacy into the books, which is fine. 
but I don't know exactly. Again, the the plans seem really wonky, and Legacy doesn't just work on its own. You can't just do Legacy for Legacy's sake. You can't just do uh, wipe it all out and start over again from wiping it out and starting this over again's sake. You have to be able to tell a coherent story the fans are going to be able to enjoy yeah. and understand. And I'm always kind of bothered, and we talked about this with Miles Morales coming over to the the main Marvel Universe and other things, is how do you do that in a way that I can tell a new reader, yeah, you pick up this book and you, you read this new version of Spider-Man. Okay, well, what, where did he come from? Well, six hours later, I've maybe explained to you a little bit about the Ultimate Universe, why the Ultimate Universe happened, where it went, why Peter on that universe died and this new guy came in and somehow worked his way over to here. And and then that's going to sell you on the book, right? No, that sounds way too confusing and convoluted for someone who's just a a new reader or a general where, reader. And that's where, honestly, with that, with the Miles Morales um, sell, I usually say, well, he was in this alternate universe. You don't need to know anything about it. Um, you can go pick up his books if you want to later. But just know... He's in. He's another. He was bitten by a different radioactive spider. He's got similar powers to Peter Parker. Read, enjoy the book. They do not talk about where he comes from in there. It's 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 essentially they, um, him picking up, or or them picking up where he was in there. You know, he's he's at the Brooklyn Visions Academy, um, with Genki. Um, not, and like they did change some of the ancillary characters. Um, like well, they gave him his mom back, right? Well, yeah, they they gave him his mom back, and gave him his grandma, which is this in in this past issue, which is grandma. Oh my god, she's it's like it's it's like the Carmichael show in a way. Like she's she's at one point she's sweet like Loretta on the Carmichael show, but then she goes to uh the over to like David Allen Greer's character. Like that, it's brilliant, and it it came across really well. But then it's, but it it, it was just made for some really great funny things. She's like, he's doing the drugs, sort of deal. But you you see the problem though is that we're looking at at this point we now have Spider Man, other Spider Man, and Silk, who are all people who were bitten by radioactive spiders. Uh huh now uh existing in this universe which means wow there's there's just a shitload of radioactive spiders popping around you know and and then there's why isn't raid addressing this yeah and then there's uh spider-man 2099 in there still yep and Um, and 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 jessica drew jessica drew who is not this radioactive spider biter but we and then we got spider gwen coming over from another universe sometimes randomly uh, still addressing things like the 616, even though Tom Brevert says uh, there is no 616. So it, it you can see Tom, Tom, where Tom, some of the stuff Reed with Legacy... That, but still, it's like, you know, because you, you've got this, you've got uh, the Web Warriors book. which Yes, was... but according, if anybody's supposed to be the final line on that, it's Brevert, and uh, he just needs to make sure that his people understand what that means. But you see, that's the problem with Legacy. It, it, Legacy is a great thing because we like to see our characters grow and change and and pass on the baton to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. But Legacy is a terrible thing because we also, we want our cake and, and to be able to eat it too. We want 
their characters remain evergreen, uh, youthful. We don't want Superman to turn 50. We don't want Batman to turn 50, uh, although we seem to enjoy the Dark Knight. But that that's a potential future. It's, it's the getting there is the interesting part. It's not being there. And Wolverine becomes Old Man Logan, but not by growing old, but by some weird continuity thing again. Mm-hmm. So when we, we restart the history, because we want our young Batman and our young Superman, but then we give them five sidekicks, that doesn't make a lot of sense, uh, most of them being Robins, or sons that are 8, 10, 13 years old, it ages them automatically. It changes what that ability is to tell the new fresh thing. But again, like I've said before, everybody has a favorite Robin. You know, if you if you like Batman and Robin at all, one of the Robins is your favorite, and you can't take away or denounce someone's favorite. Now they have no problem doing that with Batgirls, but I guess that's just different because vaginas. Uh, yeah. But. Dick Grayson is obviously my favorite Robin, which is not to say that I don't love Tim Drake or that I don't love Damian Wayne. They're just different characters. But I don't then have 28-year-old Batman if I have those three Robins and a Jason Todd in there who should just be clubbed with a crowbar again. What I have is a very messy comic book experience. So and, and so we're, we're already looking at... Who is, like, what happens to the new 52 Lois Lane? Mm-hmm. Uh, what is going on with the Lois Lane that was pre-New 52? Who is this Lois Lane? And and so on and so forth. And so, just again, we're starting a new continuity, essentially. We're rebooting the continuity with a lot of stuff, but not with a lot of sense. And this is the thing that DC does all the time. Their their continuity is so much uh, just pudding. Just big gobs of pudding that are all different flavors and here's your pistachio and here's your chocolate and here's your vanilla and there's some butterscotch over there. And they just kind of swirl it up into each other. It's like, oh, we're starting, we're throwing a new flavor. But it's on top of all the other stuff. No one washed the bowl. No one washes the bowl out before they throw the new flavor in there, so you're getting a lot of like butterscotch and pistachio hints uh, when you're supposed to be eating banana. It, it's, it's just they they don't know who they're trying to please, and I think that it's kind of like you can tell your stories, and maybe they're going to be fun, maybe they're not. But this isn't doing anything for anybody because there are fans of the New 52. There are people who came into the New 52 green and said, I love these comics. I love these characters. This is my Superman. This is my Batman. I don't care that he's not the Boy Scout anymore. And I don't care that Batman is is like, I don't know what he is now. That's a thing. It's really weird. That I like Jim Gordon Batman uh, with bunny ears. Maybe. you know, Or Batgirl of Burnside or any of the other number of things that are there. Um... And they're they're doing to them, in in a less than five year span, what they did to the fans of the last twenty thirty years, mm-hmm. uh, to get into that span in the first place. But they're not even really making things okay for the fans from the twenty to thirty years ago. So I don't know who they're trying to please. But it it all comes back to me of 
there are these people in charge of DC who have been in charge of DC for a number of years and a number of these iterations and keep going back to this well. And I don't want to speak ill of them. I don't want to say that Dan DiDio is a, a bad person. I don't want to say that Jim Lee isn't a, a good creator. But what we're seeing is this constant repeat of these same storylines. Just the, in and of itself, Rebirth is Jeff Johns repeating what he's done before. And he's like, oh, I get to come back and do Rebirth again. And I get to fix Hal Jordan again. Yeah, but you fixed Hal Jordan once, and then you rebroke him. And you fixed, seemingly to yourself at least, the Flash once, and then you rebroke him. So it's it's like the... And I run into this with Marvel. Marvel's constant was kill a character, bring him back in six months. Uh, and then kill the character again and bring them back in six months. And that was that was their plan. That was their plan is just like we get a lot of sales by killing this big-name character or by killing this group, but then a few months down the road we bring them back and we get big sales again. But at some point the readers don't care for that anymore. And I think that if you're the people above Didio, Lee, Harris, uh, Johns, and these guys who just relaunched this universe a few years ago and have already got to relaunch it again not because of its success but because of its failings yeah. at some point you have to be the one who looks up and says well wait why are you in charge of this if you don't have anything new or good to do with it and and uh, something that else is happening is that they're trying to pitch retailers on this this new continuity and this this whole rebirth thing they're saying it's going to be great for you it's going to be fantastic and so one of the things they did is instead of putting their books into previews for this month and previews is the catalog of where you order your comics for the month your comics and comics memorabilia toys and things like that comic retailers go through this thing through previews for diamond uh, distribution uh, which is the only choice they have to order any of these things now Marvel has for the last several years done their own previews catalog on the side of the regular previews catalog. So you've got your big giant phone book looking previews book and then you've got this comic size uh, previews that is just Marvel properties. But mm -hmm. DC's been in that big book. This month DC said well we're going to do our own breakout previews catalog instead for DC Rebirth. And okay, that means that you maybe get a little bit more focus. It, it, if people order it heavier so they can give it out instead of having to give out the big previews book, they order just this DC thing to get people additional sales on it, like, oh, I didn't know about this, or I want to hear about what are the books some of the things they're selling. Uh, I don't want to buy this 225 catalog, just give me the DC one for a buck or whatever. That That's great. That's fantastic. Except... DC put it out late. So now you go from previews is already a I'm ordering books that I have to pre-order two months in advance. So I get a catalog. I have the catalog for one month. I tell everybody this is the stuff that's coming out. What should I order, you know, customers? What do you want me to get for you? And in that month's time, I'm supposed to choose my numbers for all of these things, get that in, and then I might have a slight little bit of a chance for a reorder or some minor adjustments, but for the most part, that's it. And so, and then in two months, those books start shipping, hopefully, uh, which doesn't happen a lot. Hopefully, they ship on time. 
And I'm already have ordered two more months of books before those first ones come in. So that's a stressful thing for a comics retailer. You're relaunching your entire universe. You're getting all of these new titles with all of these new creative teams on them. And I'm trying to sell this to the fans. I'm trying to sell this to my customers so that I can make a living. I'm dedicating myself financially to you based on these books and hoping that somebody is going to want this incarnation of Deathstroke when they didn't want the last two times that that book was launched. Uh, but maybe this time it'll be the, the winner because it's got Christopher Priest writing it, which sounds great. But nobody knows until the stuff comes out, or at least until the fans say, oh, I'm a big Christopher Priest fan, of course I want to get Deathstroke. Or I'm a big Deathstroke fan and I just didn't like The Last Incarnation, but please order this for me. Or, you know what, I'm going to skip it this time. So your numbers are all based around a question mark. What DC did is instead of giving us this Rebirth book at the same time the previews came out, it came out late. came out a week after, and it's also shorted orders, meaning you're getting maybe 75% of what you ordered of this book instead of what you're supposed to. That is not building trust between DC and the retailers. And it's the same kind of dumbheaded mistakes that they've been doing for some time. Uh, and that's incredibly frustrating. And it, it, as a person who has worked comics retail, as a person who supports his, his retailer, the, the shop owner, Kathy, in my town, um, it, it ruins my taste for what this is supposed to be. Because I can't look at this kind of example right out of the gate and think that these people are taking this any more seriously than they did before. Yeah. Or or that they care about the fans and the retailers like like they said they did before and let us down. So it's it's incredibly frustrating. It's it's very disappointing, you know, because I want this to be good. I want to love DC. Nobody wants to love DC Comics more than I do. Nobody, because I grew up with them. I've been reading comics easily for 40 years of my life. I can't remember a time I didn't read comics. And all the comics I read as a kid were DC Comics. I went over to Marvel mostly because I was reading New Teen Titans and there was a crossover with the X-Men and I was like, oh, what are these X-Men characters? And I became a diehard X-Men fan for 30 years. But before that, it was all DC. And I continued to love DC over time. My favorite character in comics is Dick Grayson. So I want these things to be good. I want them to succeed. But I have to believe that the people in charge want that too. And I just, I'm not saying they're trying to make books that suck. But I don't know that they're trying to make books that are great. Yeah, so let's, <clears throat> excuse me, let's, let's play. You get to be Dan Didio and Jim Lee for a second here. Oh, Lord. And... But it's only with the Superman books. And actually, I will go so far. No, actually, no, I'm not. You know, fuck you. You're not going to get one of them because I love that idea right now for DC's Rebirth. But and I was because I'm going off of the Wikipedia page because they they group Wonder Woman in there um, with the under the uh, it's Superman Wonder Woman sort of deal for the titles. So you have all these Superman books that are coming out in Rebirth. 
and and I have an idea right now, so I will have a counter for this. So you have Action Comics, Superman, New Superman, which is written by the art, the writer you were talking about earlier, Jin uh, Yang, Jin yeah. Jin Yang, um, Superwoman, Supergirl, and then Trinity. You have all those books. How do you change them to be better? Um, let's see. To, to first of all, I I can't say better because I don't know what these examples are going to be like. Dan Jurgens has written a lot of Superman comics. Mm-hmm. I can't think of anybody who's written more Superman comics than Dan Jurgens. Uh, off the top of my head, no one else stands out to me in the way that he does. Uh, he wrote the death of Superman. He wrote through the the rebirth of Superman. I mean, this guy goes way back. So. I'm not going to say that Dan can't tell a good story. Uh, same with Peter J. Tomasi. Uh, Tomasi has not written a lot of Superman, but going back to when he was writing Nightwing, to his writing uh, Batman and Robin, to all the different things he's written, very good writer. Uh, Gene Yang, his new Superman, I don't even know if it counts because it's it's so far away from what Superman is. Superwoman, the same thing. It I can't guess that this is in continuity so I, I'm i not choosing to even really address it uh, Supergirl obviously is happening because of the show Trinity is happening because it's the goddamn Trinity and why wouldn't you but if we're just going off of here's Superman here's who we are introducing in this new world we're trying to take this forward to be, to get to Action Comics 1000 by starting our numbering in 957 where we left off, essentially. Uh, All I can say is remember who Superman is and was and how he's managed to be this this character that we identify, that we look up to, that I wear on my T-shirt, my Christopher Reeve image T-shirt. For 75 years... There, there have been fundamentals to what a Superman is. Mm-hmm. And there, there have been variations. There have been things, obviously, people like to say uh, in retaliation of the Man of Steel arguments, well, Superman has killed before because in uh, John Byrne's series, he killed the alternate Earth versions from the Phantom Zone or something. Yeah, that's not who... When you talk about Superman, you don't talk about Superman killing people. You talk about Superman saving people. You talk about Superman being the last son of Krypton. You talk about his relationship with Lois Lane. Jimmy Olsen is his pal uh, with the Signal Watch. Works for Perry White at the Daily Planet. He's a reporter. He was raised on a farm as a human being. He's got the morals of a middle America guy. He does things because they're right, not because he's the strongest or the most powerful. He does things because it's the right thing to do. That is fundamentally Superman. Now, anything after that is flavoring. So adding in a son, adding in a wife instead of just a dating relationship, adding in a new job or stuff, that, that's all just variations on the theme, but the main truth of Superman is that. So you start there and you, you just tell stories as you can best tell stories. And we've like I said, we've seen Superman die. We've seen him be replaced by four different characters. Uh, we've seen him split into two different characters that were both energy-based. But he was still fundamentally Superman. In all of that, he was the guy that we looked up to in that way. You saw him flying in the air. You knew he was there to save you or to save somebody. 
you know, he's not above humanity. He's the human that we all aspire to be. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I would say the book should be. And I, I am, again, not saying that that's not what these guys are going to do. Yeah. <clears throat> so my thinking of this, and this is why I brought it up, because you brought up an, an interesting point when you were talking about the launch of the New 52 and the, the problem that they had with the Superman book with actually, I think this book right here in particular, um, because this is Superman number one, and I'm assuming this is from the New Fifty Two, um, which who who wrote the start of it? Do you remember? Uh, at the beginning, it was Grant Morrison of Superman, not Action. Oh, of Superman, it was George Perez was writing it. George Perez. Um, where is it? I think this. Yeah, this is the beginning right here. This is the start of the new 52, um, Superman. And so you had the problem of George Perez couldn't do you certain characters because, you know, same Superman, same universe sort of deal. So it seems like to solve this problem and instead of, and it's, it's going to come off like I'm sounding like a dick, but instead of shoving pre flashpoint Superman down our throat with, you know what four out of the six or seven books that i mentioned are pre-flashpoint superman you do action comics being that pre-flashpoint hell i'll even give you superman but new superman i think is going to be set in the new 52 universe well i think i think they're all set in in the in the same universe now well i don't know about superwoman but what I believe is happening is that the new 52 Superman, is, his powers and abilities are going to go into this Asian American or maybe just... Kenji Kong. Yeah, this this character uh, of a different race. He's going to wake up and have Superman's powers, which is similar, again, to Death of Superman when all of a sudden these other characters show up with Superman's abilities, yeah. seemingly. Um, this seems the closest to Steel to me, mm-hmm. which is already a character that exists, and I love that character, and I don't see him get used in this universe. Yeah, you know, and and I mean, so I mean, it's like you give, you know, like if if you want to do it right, to where you're not alienating the New Fifty Two fans, oh, excuse me, and you're not alienating the the Flashpoint fans. You know, the pre-Flashpoint fans, why not give both? Well, see, that's what they've been doing for the past several months by having the Superman book with the original characters, not original, but the uh, pre-Flashpoint characters in this continuity. Mm-hmm. But my, my issue with that is, but those characters don't get to be themselves. Like, Clark doesn't get to be Clark, and Clark Kent... The the and new that's what I'm Superman you... isn't getting to be Clark Kent either. He's just running around. Everybody knows who he is. So it's in this case, like I don't know how they're going to go about fixing that to explain yeah. that there was a a Clark Kent Superman that everybody just exposed, or Lois Lane, a different Lois Lane, exposed to everybody saying that he was Superman, and now there's this other Superman slash Clark Kent who's married to another Lois Lane. <laughs> Well, that's where you go with the whole. That's where you go with the whole. You know, they're on different Earths. They're on 
No, so this is clearly a one story, a one Earth story. Well, dude, I'm from the day and age of there being multiple Earths. I yeah. saw DC do Crisis on Infinite Earths to say, oh, we're going to make continuity more tight and fix all this and have just one Earth and one Superman and one Batman. And, and Superman was the last survivor of Krypton, so there's no Crypto the Superdog. There's no Supergirl. There's no Superwoman. None of that stuff ever happened. I, I've, I've seen that, but before that, I had no problem with there being an Earth 2, mm -hmm. uh, which was actually the Earth 1, where these characters were originally, the, the Golden Age versions, and then we had the Silver Age versions on or Earth 1 when it got introduced, and so we had Barry Allen instead of Jay Garrick, and we had Hal Jordan instead of Alan Scott. Uh, I, I get that, but... I don't think that that's... As interesting as it is, DC reintroduced the multiverse mm -hmm. uh, over time. They introduced it before Flashpoint, and then they did a version of it in the New 52 with uh, Earth-3's villainous characters coming over, the Earth-2 book, which had really nothing to do with the original Justice Society, and um, then Multiversity by Morrison saying that all of these things can exist. But they didn't. They didn't follow up with it. Mm -hmm. They instead did. Um, what was the crossover that you just said that was trying to clear some of the stuff? Uh, convergence. Convergence. They did convergence, and then they undid Crisis and Infinite at the end of that, in some way that is supposed to make things better. I don't know. I don't know exactly what it was supposed to do or what it was supposed to accomplish. But I will say, before New Fifty Two. We had young Superman and we had old Superman. They had brought the Kingdom Come Superman over uh, into Justice Society. So they had an alternate universe Superman show up and be hanging around with a bunch of the other heroes. And then we had Final Crisis, or what was the one? Infinite Crisis that Jeff Johns wrote, where they brought the Superboy from Earth Prime and the Earth 2 Superman from before back and had them fight out. And they killed... Some of those characters, except for Super Dick, uh, Superboy Prime was like, oh, I'm going to rip off the arms of Teen Titans characters, and now I'm going to run around in the Anti-Monitor's armor. And it was just, it was a lot of stupid shit that, in the end, they kind of thought better of it, and, like, they had to clean up their mess. But they're doing the same things again here. It's It's... I understand that comic stories go through cycles, but when you start to see the repeat of the same story over and over again in just a couple years' time, uh, and, and god damn it, I was mentioning this to somebody the other day. Someone uh, posted a meme, which I'm, of course, against anyways, on Facebook saying, if you could stop remaking 80s movies, that would be great. And I'm like, yeah, careful what you ask for, because Point Break just had a remake, and that was from 92. And they're remaking Cabin Fever right now, and that's from 2002. So we're remaking movies in less and less time. Comics are the same way. It's we can only tell these stories. It's the only themes that we can we can seem to come up with. That's not a problem with the comics. That's a problem with the creators. And when you get to that point where it's just a regurgitation of the same ideas and the same mm -hmm. stories over and over again then maybe it's time for some of those people to move on. Yeah. Uh, Marvel has been, has been called the House of Ideas, but we're getting Civil War 2. 
You know, <laughs> we, we, we've, we've seen them repeat the things over and over again, and unfortunately, it doesn't seem to sell less for them. DC, I don't think, is as lucky in that. As, as these same things keep getting repeated and repeated and repeated to DC, they're seeing diminishing returns. For some reason, Marvel gets away with it. And I don't think that they deserve to. I don't think their stuff's any better when they do that. Um, but it, it does seem to keep happening. So I, that's why that's why people have turned to the Valiant Universe, because the Valiant Universe isn't telling the same things over and over again. Mm-hmm. They're, they're doing new things. Now, they don't have the same history to draw on. They do have a long history with some of their characters, but they're not just like, I'm going to tell you this story like I told you the same story five years ago or ten years ago. I mean, you, could, well, you, you look at the Valiant Universe, and I I checked out the the new Archer and Armstrong. I'm a big Archer and Armstrong fan. That is so good. I enjoy that. I knew nothing of it going in, and like except maybe you know in the back of my mind, I knew about you know some of the stuff that you told me. I was sitting there going, this it, it reminded me of Skull Kickers in a way. Yeah, I mean, go back and check out the Archer and Armstrong from when Valiant launched it before. Uh, Greg Pak, I, I think it was Pak, was writing it. Uh, and it was, maybe it was Van Lenti, but one of those guys was writing it. It was incredibly good. Yeah. And so, I mean, but it, it's the benefit of not having to follow a continuity. It's the benefit of saying, well, we want new fans, but we don't want to piss off 40-year-old fans. And and I get that that's a tricky place to be, but if you get up every day and you go to work and you're excited about what you do, it shows. And you come in and sometimes you have new ideas, and maybe your new ideas aren't the best ideas, but you, you, you come in and you're jazzed to be there. But if you're a person who gets up and has been going to the same job for 10 years and you're frustrated or you're just your heart's not it anymore, that shows too. And I kind of feel like maybe these creators who've just been doing this over and over again need to move on to something else. You know, Jim Lee left X-Men because he wanted to own something. He wanted to, to have something of his own. And then he sold all of his creations to DC, his Wildcats, his Stormwatch, this entire universe that he came up with. And DC has had no luck in making those characters work. Uh, They ran Wildstorm for a number of years, and they couldn't sell in the rates that they were, and then they tried to do a big launch of Wildcats with Grant Morrison writing it, got one issue out, disappeared. Uh, They tried to do, I think, uh, Authority again, and it came out one issue and disappeared, or maybe even that one didn't come out. It was just pitched. So Jim Lee has been concentrating on the DC stuff. He's been put in a creative director's spot, essentially, and one of the editors-in-chief, but I don't think that he loves it. I think it's just it's become his job. And mm-hmm. I think there's something to be said for Jim Lee when he creates something himself and he, he puts his heart into it. When he was young and he was doing X-Men, he put his heart into it because it was his breakout. But when he was making Wildstorm, it was all his stuff and he could do anything he wanted. And this is the stuff he came up with. At DC, he's just regurgitating things that well, I draw Batman and it looks cool. I draw Wonder Woman and it's a shitty costume, but she looks cool. Uh, I draw Superman and it's a really, really shitty costume. Uh, maybe it doesn't look as cool. Uh, but then he's also got to go and work in the boardroom and work and talk to financiers and everything else that he has to do in his day. So I understand it, that your job is frustrating. But man, 
go make art again. Make something that you can be proud of and you can feel good about. And I, I think that you're perfectly capable of that. I think Didito's his heart is in doing the weird stuff because every time he decides to do a book, it's a bizarre character. It's a it's an Omac or it's a Commandy or it's something that's just so off base from the mainstream books. Didio doesn't want to do Superman. Didio doesn't want to do Aquaman or Green Lantern. That's not where his heart is. So maybe not have him be in charge of these things because every time he talks about them, he just says such dumb shit. Because I don't think he cares. <laughs> John's, I believe, so, loves the DC universe, mm -hmm. but I think he's 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 stretched himself out story wise that he doesn't have anything new to say and he needs to refresh. And I think he has to refresh by doing something non DC. Yeah. And so, Harris is an idiot who just decided to live in the nineties and put Marvel into bankruptcy and somehow they decided let's put him in charge of DC again. So here, let's let's switch gears in a way um because i forgot that we you had mentioned hey we could talk about this um and this is the author of the eisner award-winning comic umbrella academy and former vocalist and co-founder of the alt-rock band my chemical romance gerard way is running an imprint at dc he's running what is going to be called dc's young animal and it's a new mature reader pop-up imprint from the comic that will consist of four series um, and feature his creative direction. So this sort of ties in because depending on the success of this, and there are four there are four books uh, coming out. Um, you have um, Doom Patrol, which will be written by Gerard Way with art done by Nick Darrington. Um, and this is in... I'm, I'm pulling this right from DC Comics... Um, announcement that they had. This is in the spirit of Grant Morrison's legendary run on the series, along with other classic incarnations of the characters. And so this, to me, is like the easiest selling point for other fans besides Doom Patrol to go with, you know, stuff that's happened recently is probably something like over at Marvel with Illuminati or Superior Foes of Spider-Man. Something along in that realm. Doom, Doom Patrol is a weird, weird book. Now, yeah. Doom Patrol, uh, if you go back to the original, uh, is the X-Men. Mm -hmm. The classic X-Men. And, and it came out before the X-Men. Yeah. Has very big similarities between it and the X-Men. And it's, it's funny because where the X-Men eventually took off, Doom Patrol didn't but they're a product of their time and the x-men finally took off not as what it started as but when claremont started writing the book and introduced other characters and brought in wolverine from over in hulk and made it a more multicultural book and you know gave it a lot heavier sci-fi elements than what it started with but morrison's doom patrol was weird and they keep trying to relaunch doom patrol and sometimes they try to do it like Morrison's, and sometimes they try to do it as a straight superhero book. Mm -hmm. What it sounds like Way is doing here is he wants to make it both. Yeah. Uh, he wants the weirdness of Morrison, which is perfectly in suit with the stuff he does. If you've ever read Umbrella Academy, uh, I think that's a great way to say this is what Doom Patrol is probably going to feel like. But th what I find interesting about these books is that they're listed under Vertigo's overarching banner. Okay. But they take place 
in the DC universe. Sort of. But, yeah. And so the next one is Shade the Changeling Girl. And I, there's changing. Four, yeah, sorry, sorry, changing girl. Sorry, man, words. <laughs> and it's uh, the the basic tagline for this is an alien takes over the body of a 16 year old bully and must face the challenges of being a stranger in a foreign land uh plus the consequences of a life she didn't have this is uh written by star wars moving target writer cecil castellucci and artist marley zarcone as they explore themes of madness alienation and the bizarre in the sci-fi thriller with covers by Becky Cloonan. And the, this new series will hit shelves in October. Um, yeah, yeah. I, th- these, these, all these sound good, even though, even the ones, cause with me, it's like, okay, I'll check out the, my first impression was I'll check out the Gerard way books because you know, I'm a Gerard way. I was my, my comic romance fan, not like all oh, go out and buy the CDs and stuff, but you know, if they were on the radio, I would listen. I listen to them all the time. That's yeah. one of those. That's one of those things that I was talking about earlier. That I listen to the same music <laughs> over and over again. I listen to MCR a yeah. lot. And then, and then from doing this, doing this show, you know, the previous incarnations, doing the attempted comic book show, got me into reading the Umbrella Academy and um, the True Life of the Fabulous Killjoys, and you know the other books that he wrote. Yep. Um, and realize okay this dude's a great comic book writer and all that and his other book he's doing is cave carson has a cybernetic eye which to me sounds a little bit like it could be an mcr song i mean yeah and and cave carson is a very classic character uh, started out in uh i want to say in brave and the bold Mm-hmm. About the time that DC was doing Challengers of the Unknown, which was kind of like their version of the Fantastic Four uh, in the 1950s, uh, that was created by Jack Kirby. There were two other science fiction characters that were in, that were introduced. One of them was Rip Hunter, mm-hmm. uh, who you know from Legends of Tomorrow, Rip Hunter and the Time Masters, and. Uh, the, the other one was Cave Carson. Cave Carson was a spelunker that um, went on to adventures. So think of it a little bit like a Indiana Jones adventure book uh, with more of a sci-fi base. Maybe also a little bit of uh, Man of Bronze kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it's very much a pulpy character. And I'm interested in seeing... The, the take on this and uh, Keith Carson as a cybernetic eye is just strong enough of a perfectly normal sounding name in an abnormal situation that uh, attracts my attention now the writers because this is again written by Gerard Way also writing it with him is John Riviera and then the artist is Michael Avon Oming, who I think worked with Brian Michael Bendis on Powers, if I'm yeah, not yeah, co-creator on Powers. Yeah, uh, he's he's done a lot of stuff because uh, we know Bendis takes a long goddamn time to do his creative <laughs> work these days. Uh, he keeps selling selling this on books. It's like, oh yeah, and then uh, remember Brilliant? No, nobody remembers Brilliant Bendis because you put out two issues in six years. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um. Oming is is a much more prolific artist than I think mm-hmm. Bendis is a writer in the sense of just how much he can produce. Uh, not that Bendis is a bad writer, certainly yeah. not as creator own stuff. His own that stuff is usually really good. And then the 
the last book here in the imprint so far is Mother Panic, uh, Meet Viola, or Meet Viola, Meet Violet Page, a celebrity heiress by day and brutal vigilante by night as she takes on the other underbelly of Gotham City's high society. This book will be hitting shelves in, in November, and the series was written by Gerard Way and Jody Hauser with art by Tommy Lee Edwards. This, over, all in all, this sounds like, even if it is just a subset of the Vertigo imprint, it still sounds really cool. This sounds like something, like, you want fresh ideas, you want, you know, fresh creators. Uh, uh, D- Beatmaster put in here that DC needs needs another Karen Berger to launch a, a new sub-imprint for fresh artists. Sorry, I, she's an image. Yeah, well... <laughs> I think we might have that with Gerard. We could very well possibly have that with Gerard Way. Well, I mean, he had pitched Doom Patrol with Becky Cloonan uh, a number of years back, and people have been disappointed that that didn't happen yeah. then. And so they said, well, maybe we can come back to him and see what he does now. So uh, Becky's obviously moved over to covers on Shade the Changing Girl, which, again, is based off of uh, an old Vertigo character, Shade the Changing Man, uh, who didn't start in Vertigo, but was a classic character that moved over to Vertigo later on. And uh, she, the only and one I really don't recognize is Mother Panic, but yeah. I'm interested that it takes place in Gotham City. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, my expectation is it doesn't take place in Gotham City, and it's like another person hanging out with Batman, but it's more like Gotham Academy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, where it, there's elements of you can't put something in Gotham City and have it just exist on its own. But how much of an impact does it make to that versus how much of an impact does that stuff make to it? Um, that that will be interesting to see. I I am definitely I find it intriguing, but how far is this from what we were getting at DC right before they announced Rebirth? Because we've been looking at it, and since Batgirl of Burnside essentially uh, came out, which was the Fletcher Tar, who's the other writer on it? Um, I don't know. I can't think of his name. But anyways, the, their team, they did Batgirl in a new way. Now, I think that the only thing that really... I mean, obviously it wasn't going to be for everybody. The the look, the characterization, everything. But I think what really hurt it, if you can say anything did, was the fact that they had been doing Batgirl already. The Gail Simone run, which was dark. It was more mature. Uh, she seemed more of an adult in in the Batgirl of Burnside storyline, it was light, it was funny, she seemed younger and inexperienced, and so it was like a big step back for people who had been reading the character throughout this this line. But, it, like I said, when it came out, it was a breath of fresh air mm-hmm. because it was the first thing that really felt like it went against the house style that New 52 was doing at that point. Yeah. and I, mean, I, 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 would, I would almost counter the whole, you know, it seems like she doesn't know what she's doing, as to its, um, because they're wrapping it up right now, or at least you know putting up, putting the nice new Fifty Two universe bow on it before the rebirth happens. Um, but it seems like it was more like like, and I remember I remember this from the doing the review of the uh, from, from the new Fifty Two of uh, Gail Simone's run, where you got to the end and it's like this is. I think my quote was, this is uh, Batgirl learning how to smile again. You know, realizing she can get the stick out of her ass and, you know, not be such a grumpy Gus all the time. Yeah, but 
sort of deal. But it was a big change from not just it wasn't just learning to smile though, because Batgirl before felt older, felt like she had gone through a lot. There was still the at that point in time there was still the idea that she had been crippled by the Joker for a period of time. And And this was her this was her in college. Mm -hmm. And it seemed it it really because of the artwork and because of the characterization, it felt like she was de aged. It also felt like she was made to be not as infallible in the way that a Bat character is usually perceived. That said, it felt like this was a breath of fresh air of, okay, we can do a Bat book with characters that are fun. Similarly, they did that with Dick Grayson. They didn't de-age him. They didn't de-qualify him, but they got rid of Nightwing. They mm-hmm. publicized his identity, and he had to become a spy and work for an agency in that. And it was such a different book from, one, anything that he'd been in, but two, anything that DC was publishing that time. Then we saw more follow-ups to this going down the road. We saw books getting introduced, like the Black Canary book, where mm-hmm. she was in a band, which felt maybe a little derivative of what they were doing with Spider-Gwen. But, again, for DC, it was something new. We saw Bizarro... Batmite, other things where they were trying to introduce new ideas. So I look at those, and and you can say they were successful or they weren't. And obviously, they weren't successful enough to continue on to the post rebirth. Yeah, uh, Batgirl but has not that Batgirl. I don't... the whole creative team has left the book and has left DC essentially, and they're doing yeah. a new book over at Image. Um, I don't know that the new Batgirl book is going to be that. That's why they let them put a wrap-up on it. Mm-hmm. But be that as it may, we we have Gerard Way doing something that feels similar to what those books are trying to do, which is taking old ideas and doing new things with them. And yeah. that's great. And But it, it is one person's kind of voice doing it uh, and so you're either all in or you're not in well I think I think you know this is just them launching it right now saying okay here's the things I think they might do more announce more titles of which Gerard Way will not be writing the books I mean if he's if he's a creative director then that's not any different than Jeff Johns being creative director for the DC universe as a whole uh, if Young Animal is just his imprint, that's a little weird. The other thing is that DC's never had a lot of ex- luck outside of Vertigo doing separate imprints. Every time they do a new imprint, it seems to last for a little bit and then go away because people don't like imprints. They just want to see comics that work with other comics or work on their own. Uh, but an imprint implies that all these things have something that ties them together. Marvel had bad luck with Tsunami. Uh, with a lot of other things that they've done, New Universe back in the day. Yeah. Uh, DC's done their Mink stuff. It, when they launched the New 52, everything was in separate categories. There was the Superman books, the Green Lantern books, the Batman books. But remember Justice League Dark and all the mm-hmm. Dark line? Uh, those tanked. Uh, anything having to do with the Wildstorm stuff essentially tanked. Uh, the teen Young Justice books pretty much tanked uh, so it's but, it's but okay okay mr negative here um, i to counter i am who i am man well no to counter it though 
here is my my thinking, my hope with this is where yeah, the Wildstorm universe it was all one thing, but we got Midnighter from that. Who's later, much later, well, and yeah. we didn't get Midnighter from that. We got Midnighter from Grayson. Yeah, exactly. And he, again, Grayson, and it's been great in Grayson. It's and all that. great character and great in his own book. And where is it now? Good point, but still, the, <laughs> the bigger point I'm trying to make here is that we get Gerard Way, and one of two things that obviously happens here: either it it becomes successful, or it doesn't. But there's this third sort of like option here that it does good enough to where the head honchos see Gerard Way as being a good creative director and bring him in and this is where DC gets out of the rut that it's in. Absolutely. And and here's another way of looking at it. You get Gerard Way in there, you have him doing his imprint, his line, and Gerard Way brings in some young talent, uh, our friends who are maybe not known for comics uh, that also bring some added kick and punch into the creativity nuts mm-hmm. of of the of the DC thing as a whole. That would be excellent. I just I always worry when a big name person shows up, launches a bunch of stuff, and like kicks it off, and then they disappear into the ether. And I'm not saying that he'll do that. I mean, especially because he willingly left his band when they were doing quite well yeah. uh, to go and do other things creatively. But I'm just saying you put a lot of eggs into this basket, this basket one better be full of tasty shit. And two, hopefully doesn't spill out before you get to make all the recipes that you're hoping to from it and, and feed your little, your little band of armies. This is, this is important. It's these things can succeed or not succeed. It's a lot of weight to put on one creator, uh, especially a creator who hasn't done a ton of stuff with DC up until now, and with things that are weird, and the weird doesn't always sell. As much as it's like, oh, I really love this book. It's so off the wall, and it's so cool, and they're doing all these great things with it. What do you mean it got canceled? You know, it's 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 frustrating because... You, you always have to worry about do they have what it takes to nurture something through mm-hmm. the, the hard times, through the finding its voice. Uh, a book like Vision over at Marvel. People who read Vision adore it. it they think it's amazing. I've it read is. it and it is amazing. And it doesn't get the sales numbers. Now Marvel, I don't think, canceled Vision as much as the creator behind it signed an exclusive contract to go over to DC and had to let it go. But at the same time, how much longer could it have lasted at the numbers that it had? You want it to be something that DC or Marvel says, we're going to, we, we've got the money. We've got our Avengers money, or we've got our Justice League money, so we can make this book our baby, our precious little thing that we take care of, we change it, we nurture it, we help it grow. It's our preemie book. Uh, but we know it can get stronger and it can get better. Once the audience finds it, it's going to grow amazingly strong. But until that time, we're going to give it everything that we can and, and help it get there. That's that's what you want. That's what you believe should happen. I believe that should happen. 
But that's not what these companies are doing these days. These companies are saying, okay, you've had eight issues, you haven't found your audience yet, let's relaunch or let's launch something else, or I'm sorry, we're not going to need you in our books anymore, uh, unless you want to write a backup something for one of the Civil War crossovers. It's it's terrible, but this is this is the reality of how the business is for these these two mega companies, and that's why people are going over to Image, and Image is a struggle too. There's a lot of books at Image that come out that don't make it, that you don't see after a year or two, but at least it's up to the creators if they are sticking it out or not. Um, you're not just seeing somebody say, oh, well, that book isn't selling well, we're going to have you do a new number one. That's, that's not really what's happening. It's it's just that didn't sell well, so it, you can keep putting money into it as long as you can afford it, but it may not be the best idea. Um, but I, I would love to see DC get a saga. I would love to see Marvel get a sex criminals. I would love to see them be able to have these things that are just the surprise everybody finds it and loves it and it becomes the huge hit and like then you've got something that stands up there next to Superman or Spider-Man or the Hulk or whatever but that's not really what we've seen from them so far yeah um so I'm gonna take this moment because you give me five segues to get into the review segment <laughs> going, damn it but you're talking afterwards <laughs> but no it but and, and I because I, I agree with all the things you're saying here um, so I'm going to take this moment because you, I, I'm going to take this segue and we're going to do, do the reviews and this is, I th think, unless you come up with anything where I get to talk. <laughs> Not saying anything like to be a dick, but it's, hey, usually when we go to the news or, you know, talk about stuff, it's, you, you see the favorite or who, who who's more knowledgeable. Somebody um, did say this is going to be where Corey rants. Yes. Um, I, but that person probably didn't realize, oh hour later shit <laughs> i'm splitting apart the podcast have you never done a show with me before <laughs> yeah um, uh, okay so just real briefly take care everybody yeah that's that's it for the news uh <laughs> pause pause break else nerds part two coming your way soon y yes else nerds part two the reviews um so and I i've only got two i'm well yeah, I only got two because I'm cutting one. I'm like, yeah, there's not much I could say. Ed and Christian show. It's one of those shows that hey, it's an added benefit to to the WWE network. Um, that's really all I could say it, because it is funny, but you have to be a wrestling fan to truly respect it. Um, there, my review of the Edge and Christian show that totally reeks of awesomeness. Now onto the segue from part one for all you audio listeners out there, all three of you. Um, this is the fix. This is uh, Corey. Can you look up the creative team for me, please? Um, of uh, the fix, uh, it's Nick Spencer, correct? Yeah, it's Nick Spencer and um, the artist from Superior Foes, because it's it's that same creative. Oh, that's team. right. Yeah, it's that same creative team. It's the same. It's a very similar premise to Superior Foes, but it's done so much better. Steve Lieber. Steve Lieber. Yeah. Um. So this, I'm going to take you through the comic right now. This is going to be like on pace with how the comic goes. You start, you're witnessing a crime. You are witnessing, you know, a guy uh, or the two guys robbing senior citizens to get to this other guy who has information sort of deal. 
and then they succeed and they're doing the whole woo yeah you know the, the adrenaline's pumping sort of deal you know that typical thing that you see in movies um and then there's the radio comes on and there's a report of a blah blah blah, blah. you know it's a police scanner and car one 192 responding there are cops who committed this act who stole and then you get into the much like in superior foes where you were following boomerang and you went to his backstory where he talked about how he was a pitcher um and had had his chance to make it up to the big leagues but but you know shit happened you have you have here where it's like I wanted to be the bad guy. I, I grew up on Westerns and I enjoyed watching the bad guys because it seemed like they had more fun sort of deal. And who wants to play by the rules? Cause the bad guys break the rules and you're going through backstory. And then it, it, it explains why he's, why they are the way they are, but still being funny. It's very funny in how they do everything. Um, how they reveal things. I already this is one issue and I, I already see this having the potential to be a TV show to be like the to be one of those quirky TV shows that um, you're basically rip, ripping off this is the storyboard for the first episode essentially um, just going off the fact that this is the same team who did Superior Foes of Spider-Man and uh, like you said, it feels similar to Superior if I was a Spider-Man, mm-hmm. uh, just done at Image and, you know, not exactly supervillains. I've often thought about this, is that we have people who do these great runs on a, a comic series. The the Bat- girl at Burnside, they have a book coming out over at Image as well. Uh, Gillen and McKelvey did their Young Avengers book and then did the the Divine and the... Wicked the Wicked of the Divine, uh, but saying that that's kind of like their next follow-up to Young Avengers, if you liked what Young Avengers was, that you would enjoy this. But do you ever think that we've, we've taken for granted that these people work for these companies and they write these great superhero books that maybe catch on, maybe don't catch on, but have such like a, a great feel to them and you wish that, wow, wouldn't it be great if they could continue to do this forever or wouldn't it be great if this was the way that the rest of the books were. Why don't these people get together and do these books as a coexisting universe and create the next DC or Marvel? I understand that it's very difficult. I've, I've read some of the horror stories of what CrossGen was when they tried to take on these two big companies. Um, but it still seems weird to me that no one has just said, well, this is the next thing. I see creators do it. Yeah. And and essentially that's what Image did in the 90s is they they went off but they each made their own separate teams and a lot of them look like X-Men. Um, but they did interconnect at points. And those creators couldn't work together after a certain period of time. Um, but I still think it would be kind of funny if somebody, like if, if the Valiant universe had been, you did this great Deadpool book, why don't you come over here and do your own take on Deadpool with us and, and create something else. Um, I, I mean, that, that sort of is the of entirety it, of Rob Liefeld's catalog. Yeah, I think because part of that would be there would be lawsuits. You'd have Marvel and DC suing 
over but that. So many different characters exist that are just this is just Superman mm-hmm. done slightly different, or this is just Batman, or the a billion cable clones yeah. that Rob Liefeld has created. Um, the the one time he got in trouble was because he did Fighting American, which was a pre existing character, but Marvel got to sue them to say, Well, you can't throw the shield. Uh, yeah. he can he can do other things with the shield, but he's too much like Captain America. You can't throw the shield. Yeah. And if that's as far as it goes, but you're still telling stories that are what people want to read and see the next level of what these characters were going to do before you got taken off or you left the title, it seems like someone might catch on to that. I think, well, I think what, like like with the fix, I think what they're doing is more of that premise where you have good guys doing doing bad things. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's sort of the, you know, bad guys doing bad things but in a comedic way it was okay these are good guys but they're doing bad things and there's not a lot of explanation on some of the on some of the characters um like like you you meet the people and they introduce them up until the end and it it gets really great but they they end it with um i don't know if he's the crime boss i don't know if he if he's in the police or what but you could clear you can clearly and this takes place in la i will throw that out there as well um but he gives the two guys our two main characters an ultimatum you know that they have either quoting from the book they lose their taint or like like he cuts their taint out while he's got a baby strapped to his like strapped to him not in a baby bjorn but like one of those blanket things that's supposed to nurture and swaddle them sort of thing and he's got he's got a knife and he's carving it like either i carve out your taints or you're gonna do this thing for me and they go well what's the thing you're gonna smuggle drugs through lax and they're like uh and in the interview the thought bubbles is like we probably should have just had our taints carved out right there and they're talking about like this person you know how they alone have have caused 600 arrests last year and all this stuff and all the while you're focusing on in on this black man as you're going through the airport and then it gets to the end and it's a dog it's like mic drop thing i'm like brilliant so brilliant <laughs> cannot wait for issue two that's all i gotta say about it is i cannot wait for issue two it is a must you have to go re- pick up the book sort of thing and it's great i, I loved it um, yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with this team. Yeah. They, Superior Foes was such an excellent book, but it was excellent because of them. It wasn't because it was characters that were throwaway villains from Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, the next show I want to talk about is on YouTube. This is a YouTube Red show. Um, I talked about a while back ago when I first got YouTube Red, um, the Scare PewDiePie show, and I only watched the pilot. I only watched that first episode, and I'm like, eh, you know, not for me. But with the, um, and I haven't seen Rooster Teeth's Laser Team, um, because I forget to watch that. But this one I saw, because this is the second batch of original shows. This is the YouTube Red show, Foursome. This is starring, this is on Awesomeness TV, where they're everywhere, for crying out loud. They're, they got a movie on Hulu that I watched the beginning of, and I'm like, Nope, not for me. Like I don't even think this is for kids because they swear, like the people, the the it's that the Janoskians movie or whatever it is. It's over on Hulu. And I'm like, yeah, okay, no. 
but Foursome, really good. It's a comedy uh, starring uh, Jen McAllister, her YouTube channel's uh, Gen X Jen, and where she plays a high school student who has her 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 buddies, which she, she calls her foursome, the non-sexual kind. Um, there's her her gay best friend, her I think it's her neighbor or something that just transferred in, like she was homeschooled, like very repressed homeschooler sort of thing, um, like very naive. And then her brother and who's a stereotype, her brother's just the overprotective stereotype. And then her brother's uh girlfriend, who is good friends with her, who is in college but yet is still hanging out in the high school. Um, like way too much to be like, wait a minute, why are you you graduated last year, why are you still here exactly? Because she's in she's got two modes either she's making out with with the brother or she's or she's talking hanging out with her friends and it's like okay cool i'm gonna i'm gonna go with this because it's it's funny you know they have they have really funny moments um the brother does get to to me to be a little bit um flat as a character like there has they've they've had three episodes out so far and all he is is he's basically a human chastity belt like the the first episode as there's a sequence where she's going down the hall and she does the internal monologue and all stuff and you're just seeing all these boys like just running away and then like crashing like they're into stuff like terrified of her and realize oh it's her brother is right behind her giving the death eye sort of deal now there are funny moments when this happens like in spanish class where she you can see she's struggling through spanish class and then he comes in and he's like and they're, they're seen as they're married it's you know clearly they're not anything nothing is going to happen and then he just comes in slams the kid down on the floor stand is like got his foot on the kid's chest and just like he's a telenovela star is that fluent in Spanish just going you're my little sister and then the teacher's just like ooh the brother twist and eating it up it's it's really enjoyable i recommend it um you know also also i might suggest if you if this doesn't sound good enough for like with all the other perks you get with youtube red wait a little bit until cuz i think it's a month trial wait until the whole thing's out and then binge watch it there you go because it, it, it would be worth the binge and the episodes they do fluctuate though that's that's the other problem i have is it is set up for like like it, it could be put in on like mtv or you know a, a tv channel like that where, where they have it set up for commercials but it's like it's weird like we got like episode three was shorter it was like 17 minutes i'm like is that because of like you you got your story told and it went short or like why is this one short when all the other ones are like 22 to 28 minutes sort of deal sort of thing but you know i mean it was good i enjoyed that show a lot um yeah as a as a youtube red subscriber because i have been subscribed to google play music for a long time i still haven't gone and followed what they're doing as far as original content it, it's it, it's like we talked about last week though is the idea of these shows being in all these different places and having to chase them around uh, but nothing's 
nothing's showing me this stuff exists. Nothing is is being advertised to make me go, oh, I should go look for that. So it's kind of like it's just out there in the ether waiting to be found, and I don't even know to look for it. Yeah, and I mean, and I think because the a lot of it is the fact that you know, I mean, like like I'm on YouTube Red's Originals page, and you have Prank Academy featuring Prank versus Prank, and you know, it's one of these things like yeah, it's behind behind the paywall, um, and all that stuff, but it's just sort of like that doesn't interest me. You got foursome. I checked out the episode expecting you know not to to like you know not really care i fell in love with it scare pewdiepie eh you know it's there um a trip to unicorn island which is a documentary uh featuring lily singh that one does intrigue me um laser team featuring rooster teeth um that one again does intrigue me it's just you know there's so much crap on here um, and then Dance Camp, which says features Meg uh, Meg DeAngelis. It's it, like maybe if it's like, you know, like more like a summertime thing for me or, you know, where the TV seasons are gone and I have this gap where it's like, okay, I need to watch something. All right, let's watch Dance Camp. And it, but it, it does seem like they are trying to do more things. Yeah, but I look at the YouTube Originals page. Uh, thank you for pointing out that it exists. And... I go to where I would think I would find different things, different shows to choose from, which would be the channels tab. There's nothing under channels. It's under playlists. And so it's... Because they are on the person's channel. Like, Scare PewDiePie is on his channel. Right. But then ch under channels, point me to the channel where I'm finding yeah. his content. Point me to the channel where I'm finding these other shows. It, it doesn't really work. I think that the the idea has some premise, although all of these shows just look like content that anybody is making for YouTube already. Uh, nothing stands out to me as like a show. It's just, it says the asshole doing a podcast. Um, but On it, YouTube. Yeah, it looks the same. I, so I, I can't... None of this is even like here's here's the premise, here's the here's what you get out of this. It's you have to click it and start watching. All you get is a name. Mm -hmm. And that's, I don't know. There's the, that's the disconnect between finding stuff online in particular, this versus watching it on TV. Even Netflix is doing that. Now Netflix, I'm scanning through the stuff that's on Netflix and it starts playing a preview or in some cases it actually starts playing the show just because I've, I've moved over to it on the list and I don't appreciate the starting the show thing, but I do appreciate the preview or at least showing me some pictures and giving me a description yeah. as I've clicked on it. And that's... A sense of discovery is what I think YouTube read and YouTube in general is missing. Uh, YouTube has existed so long by people sharing. By you, you're, you're going through Facebook and somebody sees a video and they go and they share it on Facebook or they share it a link to it in an email or whatever. But because this is behind a paywall, it's not going to be able to be shared in that regard. So I don't know how I'm going to find this stuff without having to expressly go looking to see what's there. And that's frustrating. Yeah. I mean... But maybe that's maybe they do that push when they get more content. Yeah. We're talking and, about six shows here. 
Yeah, and that's the thing. And also, I feel like we should do the disclaimer. Tom's wife works for YouTube. Uh, Tom's wife does work for uh, Eileen Riviera. <laughs> works. She's not just Tom's wife to me. Uh, no, yeah, yeah. No, no, no BS. Uh, Eileen is is like even bigger on my list than than Tom Merritt is. Well, no, yeah. And Tom Merritt is very very high on my list. But so, Eileen is one of so my favorite people of all time. <laughs> So basically, I'm going to play this out because it's going to be a little bonus thing for, and also a plug for our future home of Galactic Netcast if, like, because you're going to be on Sci-Fi Geeks Club this week. I am going to be on Sci-Fi Geeks Club. Um, and I'm assuming you don't really know who the guest is. No and idea. Dave, and Dave does not tell you. He doesn't even put, he just puts special guests in the dock. Comes in, and then, boom, it's Eileen. Do you do like the Beatles, the the ladies who are watching the Beatles for the first time, or for the younger kids, One Direction, and they're just sitting there squeeing? Does that is that you? No, because I'm cool, and because <laughs> and because like Liar. when I was on there with Tom Merritt, we're friends, uh, yeah. so I can sit there and say, "Hey, how Eileen, how you doing?" Uh, Eileen and I are, are are palsies, not really, but I mean, she's incredibly nice to me. Yeah, <laughs> she humors me wonderfully. Yeah. So, but it's it's like when I I see Jason Howell or Ron Richards, who are also in that list of favorite people of mm -hmm. all time, uh, that I know and occasionally see or run into, and they treat me with utter kindness, which is why they're so high on my list. Uh, besides the fact that they're talented and they do show this that I really like, but no, you you just. At some point, you have to just kind of go, all right, if I was going to squee in front of you, I've missed that moment. Now I have to at least play like I've got it together. Yeah. Oh. And plus, well, I'd ask her for an address that I could send her cupcakes. Exactly. That's, that was what I was thinking. Like, really, you're just going to be like, okay, where, where's, do you want cupcakes? <laughs> and but, I tell her all the time I miss being able to bring her treats. Yeah. Um. But no, so... That is just more of a shameless plug. Hey, we are we are moving over to Galactic Netcast. I, I don't know if we're going to do a beta 14 or episode 1 on Galactic Netcast. That's more of talking with Dave, our head, the head honcho, our future boss in a way. Um, which also I'm going to say this now. I want to get him on for the first episode. Um, just because why not? Um, but yeah, so gncast.com is where you want to go for you again all you people who watch here whether it be on our on our youtube page on our watching through the uh the uh wordpress because i see those i get the emails like oh hey this person i'm like they did this because i put in the tag wrestlemania or stuff like that which does say hey do tags do tags dummy <laughs> but yeah so check us out over there we'll be posting all the or our show over there from now on and yeah, and I have nothing else to say um, except for that. Greg, where can people find you on your social media places? Where do you like to share things? Um, I well, if here's here's the interesting thing about this. I, I, I you can find me on um, Twitter at that Gregor T H A T G R E G O R, or Facebook.com slash. I have no idea. I, I want to say it's. That Gregor, this would be a wonderful time for Evan and Beatmaster to uh, list their Twitters so we can yes. get those right as we read them um, off. Or Facebook.com/slash Gregor one nine four two. 
I don't know if you can change those URL things on Facebook. I'm, I will probably look into that because I don't like the 1942. It's sort of stupid. Um, um, but yeah, or you can follow our producers. Evan is at Mr. Underscore Fusion. And Beatmaster is at Beatmaster80. And you could also find him on over in the chat realm IRC for a lot of the shows over there. Um, yeah, if you follow any podcasts, uh, especially if you watch them live, oh. you've probably seen Beatmaster around. Yes, or heard of him mentioned. And I, uh, I got stuff for after show. Sorry, just let my boy click. <laughs> but yeah, um, and you can follow the show. The show Twitter page will still be up. Um, Elsners.com will take you to either our old page or our new page once we get that set up. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Um, Facebook.elsners.com will take you to the Facebook site. Um, we are at Elsnerds on Twitter. Um, so, yeah, follow us there as a collective. And, but yeah, and we record Elsnerds just about every Monday night, work permitting, um, at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Western. And the last thing to say is this has been a Don't Tell Glenn production. We will see you guys next time. Take care, everybody.